Well, two weeks ago, you didn't know that I was going to come back, and I didn't either. So, you get the full sermon series on Nehemiah. Now, two weeks ago, I don't have time to review that completely, so I'm going to strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that message so that you can understand some of where I'm coming from tonight. But the truth is that each message can stand on itself. And so we're going to move to part two tonight. I shared with you two weeks ago that as I was preparing a sermon series in the book of Nehemiah, which is my favorite book in the Old Testament because it's full of treasures, it's full of truths, it's full of lessons towards the reality of how to lead well, how to serve well, and how to deal with difficulty well. And so I was preparing a very detailed sermon series where I was going to take each chapter and go through them. And just a few weeks prior to the launch of that new series, the Holy Spirit, what I call, arrested me in my prayer room and told me that God was calling an audible and that the canvas of what I had built was not where I was going, but it would be a more of a backdrop to what was on God's heart. And that my assignment from the Lord was to share what was on his heart that he wanted the church to understand. And what he wanted the church to understand is that it is the church's responsibility to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. And we have to stop trying to outsource that responsibility somewhere else. The rebuilding of the spiritual walls of this nation belongs to us. It's our responsibility. As I stated two weeks ago, when I look at the spiritual walls of this nation, they're but a trace of the spiritual walls that I saw and experienced in the 80s and the 90s. Those of you that were serving God in those seasons in the 80s and 90s will understand what I'm talking about. There is a difference. And that is the church's responsibility for us to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. If we're really going to see change, We've got to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. And two weeks ago, I spoke on the reality that it's going to take what God wanted the church to understand. It was going to take earnest repentance in the church and for the church to repent in behalf of the nation. You say, well, we've been repenting. Well, the church has not gotten fully serious about awakening to the reality that the church needs to repent. So it takes earnest repentance It takes earnest prayer. We read where Nehemiah, when he heard the bad report, that he immediately sat down and wept and prayed and he fasted day and night when he heard the report. As I shared, when was the last time that you were stopped in your tracks and you prayed day and night for America because of something that was going on in the condition of the country? Nehemiah did that. And so if we're going to see the spiritual walls of this nation rebuilt, then it's going to take the church awakening to its responsibility. It's not someone else's responsibility outside the church. It is the church, and you and I are the church. And it's our responsibility to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation if we're really going to see change. Now, I also stated two weeks ago that I believe with all of my heart that God's going to extend his grace to this country And we're going to see it happen just as it did in the days of Nehemiah. If, if 
we earnestly repent, earnestly pray, and earnestly walk humbly before God, and listen, and before each other. That is so important. And that we begin to fast again for this country. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the other if. So if you would, this evening, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God? In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, But now I said to them, You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Sound familiar? We read a passage last week that sounded very familiar in the season in which we live. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Father, we come to you tonight. And may we declare before you as the church that we are ready to arise and build. And to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. And that we're going to take our strength from you. And we're going to go do it. Because it's a good work. It's a work of the kingdom of God to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, Nehemiah is speaking to the people at this point. Last two weeks ago, Nehemiah had received the report. He's mourning for days, for day and night for the report that he heard. Then we looked at the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. We focused on the repentance part of it. There's about 12 messages just inside that one prayer. Nehemiah receives favor from God before the king. He goes to the king. We don't have time to talk about the seriousness of the the risk that he took when he went to the king. He has favor with the king. The king tells him, yes, you can go. Gives him the letters that he needs to go. Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. Then he surveys all that's going on. And now he's going to speak to the people and he tells them and reminds them of the condition that Jerusalem's in. He also talks to them about the disgrace it is before the world. And then he speaks to them about the favor he's had from God to get to this point. And the people immediately arise and say, let's go build. I could say the church rose up and said, we're tired of sitting. We're going to go do something about this. Now, I'm going to be sharing with you from the backdrop of Nehemiah, not the canvas of Nehemiah. So I'm about to read a verse of scripture in which I'm just going to read a few words in that verse of scripture. Now, all of you theologians and Bible teachers that are out there, you're going to be going, no, no, no. You got to give me more than that tonight. I understand that because I'm, I'm one of those. But I want to speak to you how the Holy Spirit spoke to me about what was on God's heart as I began to read a verse of Scripture. It also spoke to the burden that was upon my heart, and I knew that's why God was doing what he was doing. So I declare in Jesus' name that you're going to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church tonight. In Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1, it says then, Eliashib, the high priest rose up with his brothers, the priest. 
Now, the moment I read those words, that was it. And the Holy Spirit began to stir me in my prayer room about a burden that I had and that the priests and kings of the kingdom had gone silent. And this was very important that the priests were the first to say, we will go build. We'll be the first to be accounted for in the building of these walls. Why is that important? It's very important to me because I see the priests as the leaders of defending and proclaiming the truth of the gospel. They're gatekeepers of truth. And what God wants the church to understand, we are the gatekeepers to truth. And we have got to start defending the truth and we got to start speaking the truth. I mean the whole truth, the real truth. Speaking the truth. They're the gatekeepers of truth and God wants us to understand that as the church, if we're going to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation, we have got to stop being silent. We got to stop compromising. We got to stop working the word to where it feels good and start working the word in the way that it was meant to work. And that was that it's supposed to be preached as it's written and let it do its work. That is proclaiming the gospel. And we got to defend the gospel. If we're going to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation, if we're really going to see change, the church has got to start speaking up. Well, I just let Pastor Jeff do all that and get all them bad emails. Guess what? We're all supposed to be speaking up. As we speak up and Pastor Jeff speaks up, it becomes a voice that the world can't deny. We have got to rise up and speak the truth. Blaise Pascal said this, truth is so obscure in these, in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. Here's what I like to say about the rubber meeting the road. Do you love the truth to the point that it hurts? Can you handle the word when it hurts? Can you handle when the word is constantly bringing conviction to where you're at and what you're doing and what you're saying? Do I love the word because it changes me? Or do I only love a word that makes me feel good? It makes me feel like today is an awesome day. I never do wrong. It's so great that I'm one of the few in the kingdom that knows how to do this right. Or do we love a truth that wrecks me to my knees until I change? Do I love real truth? Do I love the truth? If we're going to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation, church, we've got to stop being silent. We've got to rise up and start defending the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we've got to start speaking it. And not just a few, all of us. I already heard it. I could hear it. Oh, but pastor, that's not my personality. I'm not here 
to make fun of anybody, but listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. When we start making the excuses, we are denying the power thereof. The Holy Spirit indwelled in us is the power to cause anyone to do what you normally can't do. We start denying the power that's in us, that the power that's in us is not big enough to change who I am to do something for God in a moment. Two weeks ago, Rochelle was up here at the end of the service. My wife prayed a very powerful prophetic prayer. But if you knew the real Rochelle, her real personality, that's not her. But who is that? That is a child of God who understands they are empowered by the Holy Spirit and they got to make themselves available and the power of the Holy Spirit will move through them and change the world around them. We've made so many excuses that to be honest with you, the list is getting embarrassing to the kingdom because we continue to deny the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. No, you don't understand. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You need to stand in the mirror and say, yes, I can. I can do that because the Holy Spirit in me will empower me to do what I normally can't do. I will do it because the Holy Spirit is indwelled in me and gives me the power to do it. We've got to quit denying the power that's in us. See, that's why the church has fallen silent. It gets silent because it's already making excuses why I can't do something. We don't verbalize it, but so what we do is we just go silent. But what we're seeing inside is I can't do that. And we're denying the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That was free. That wasn't even a part of my notes. Okay. If we're going to see the spiritual walls of the nation... Rebuilt, we got to defend the gospel. we got to proclaim the gospel. We must awaken to our responsibility as the gatekeepers of truth. Gatekeepers of truth. Our responsibility. And I've not always been in full-time ministry. I have been for a very long time now. But there was a, there was a time when I wasn't. And the reality is, Nothing's really changed. I'm still doing the same thing I did then. I'm just doing it in a different arena, but I'm still doing the same thing. We're all called to defend and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us. In Jude, it says this, chapter 1, 1-3, Behold... Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, watch this, he wants to talk to them about their common salvation. He says, I was compelled to write to you urgently, appealing that you fight strenuously, tirelessly, persistently for the defense of the faith. What is that? The truth. He shifts gears. He wants to talk to them about salvation, but he can't. He's compelled. Who do you think is compelling him? Holy Spirit. The defense of the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. The faith that is the sum of Christian belief that was given verbally to believers. 
I know Pastor Jeff. I listen to Pastor Jeff. You are getting truth. And you're responsible to go share the truth and defend the truth. All of us. If we're going to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. Pen truth. America desperately needs the the church to lead people back to a gospel-centered way of living that affects the present culture. If you'll let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit can do so well, you alone can change the culture around you. You can change the culture by speaking the truth of the gospel. Well, I got into Christianity just so I could just chill. You know why I'm here tonight? Because the Holy Spirit wants to stir you up. Wants, he's compelling me to be honest with you. It's our responsibility. Let me unpack some truths concerning being gatekeepers of defending truth and speaking the gospel truth. Number one, we must defend and speak the truth, God's word, the complete body contained in scripture. The complete body contained in scripture. Not a watered down version, not a compromised version, not a massage version that makes it easy for everybody. The truth exactly as it is written. We must defend it. We must speak it. This was entrusted to the church. And have we forgotten how costly this word was to people's lives? To get this written in the form that it's written in. It cost some people dearly. Have we forgotten? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Start speaking the breath of God. Come on. Start speaking the breath of God and watch what it does. Your silence is the reason why things aren't changing. Waiting on me to show up. Things may never change because I don't even know where you live. I don't even know who your neighbors are. I don't know who you work with. Who's responsible with the gospel? We are individually responsible for defending and speaking the gospel truth. The breath of God. We have got to start speaking and do our part in rebuilding the spiritual walls of this nation. In the 80s and the 90s, when I became a Christian in the 80s, and what I had is what I considered the mentorship in front of me Lay, lay leaders, staff leaders, just the guy working down as a janitor at the school that was a Christian, they were constant examples to me of the life that we should live as Christians. We are vocal about the good news. Now we want to outsource it to someone else's responsibility to speak that truth. It's my responsibility. 
It's your responsibility. As I shared two weeks ago, I'm involved in a lot of things from service clubs to city stuff to all kinds of things because I am looking for opportunities to make disciples and to speak the truth where it is needed. And I can't do that inside the four walls. And sometimes we create four walls in our own life that we don't even get outside of. We must stop the excuses. We must remind ourselves that I am powered. I am empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives within me. And I can do all things through Christ Jesus. All things. Doesn't matter about your personality. Doesn't matter about your giftings. I've had people come to me and say, well, that's not my gift. I'm so sorry. You're still called to do it. You're still called to do it. We all are. You mean I got to go start knocking on doors? No. It is kind of fun sometimes. You see all kinds of interesting things. Find out a whole lot about your world, too, and what's going on in your city. But you don't have to do that. What about just preaching the gospel to your circle of influence? Because your circle of influence, not everybody knows Jesus. What about just starting there? Pen truth, God's word is complete and final revelation. It needs no additions or revisions. I'm going to read that again because everybody thinks it needs to be changed. God's word is complete and final revelation. It needs no additions or revisions. You need to preach it the way it's written. And you need to understand it. And if there's one thing you get here, you get full understanding taught to you here at TPC. And you need to take that full understanding that you're receiving and not just go home and sit. You need to be asking God, who do I release this to? You are to defend the gospel and you're to preach the gospel. I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. Let me define preaching for you accurately. It's not being loud. It's not being excited and jumping around. It's simply defined the proclaiming of the gospel of peace. When you're proclaiming the gospel of peace, you are preaching. You're preaching. You may be very reserved and very quiet, but the moment you open your mouth and begin to unpack the gospel of truth, you're preaching. And then you may start teaching after they ask you a question about what you just preached. Then you begin to teach them. And you begin to share your Jesus stories. And you begin to teach them. Chuck Colson said this, the Bible The Bible's power rests upon the fact that it is the reliable, errorless, and infallible Word of God. Question, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because if you don't believe that, we have a problem, Houston, in the church. 
And to be honest with you, that's been one of the problems. Is the lack of believing that book is truth and needs no changing. Do we believe that? Then we need to be sharing it. We need to be defending it. Number two, why are we to defend and speak the truth? Simply, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. That's about as simple as it gets. It's our responsibility. This is a wreck me verse. Wreck me verses that I'm about to read to you are verses that drive me to my knees or they just make me stop in my tracks and just get really quiet before God so that he can speak to me. You could say, well, they're conviction verses or chapters. I call them wreck me verses. <laughs> they just stop me. And here's one of them. Romans 12, 1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent, I love that word, intelligent act of worship. We're all wanting to be intelligent. Sell out to God completely, 100%. That's the most intelligent thing you can do. And it's a high form of worship. The question is, are we really separated from the world? Because if we're not, we're probably not going to defend the gospel, much less speak it the way we should. Have we sold out and can say, that Romans 12.1 is what I am living. It's a wreck me verse to me. It reminds me of how I should live. Sold out completely and defend the gospel at all cost. At all cost. We're living in a time where every fundamental, foundational, Truth is under attack. And not just from outsiders, but inside the church. So church, we've got to quit being silent. We've got to start standing up and defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've got to start speaking it. And you know what? You may have to speak it to the person about four rows behind you that told you last week that, you know, I don't know that this is all true. And in great love and concern for their lives. Love them back into the truth will set them free. Speak the truth, and it will set captives free. We must stand up. We must stop being silent. And I like to say it this way. We need to start getting embarrassed over the excuses of why we don't do this. Because we are great at making excuses. And if you don't have any, I can go ask my little three-year-old grandson, give me an excuse, he'll find one for me. We've got to stop the excuses. Number three, what should a gatekeeper, 
of truth do? Gatekeepers must defend the truth earnestly. Cambridge Dictionary defines it this way, in a serious and determined way. You know what that tells me? We can't be half-hearted about this. We've got to defend the gospel. We've got to speak the gospel. We've got to stand up and be accounted in the kingdom for truth. How many of you want the America to turn around? Come on. Then church, we've got to awaken to our responsibilities. We've got to earnestly repent. We've got to earnestly pray. We've got to earnestly walk humbly before God and each other. And we have got to start defending and proclaiming the gospel of peace in its wholeness, in its completeness, in the fullness of its truth. And you'll begin to see change. You'll begin to see change. First Timothy 6.20 says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. I'm just going to stop right there. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. I'm going to pray that those words ring in your ear every time Pastor Jeff unpacks the word of God, that the truth that you're receiving, that you're going to guard it, protect it, defend it, and speak it. You're going to guard what's been deposited in you. Pen truth. The gospel is a treasure, and we have a serious responsibility to it as the church. Gatekeepers must live the gospel. Oh, here we go. Gatekeepers must live the gospel. We must conduct our lives consistent with the principles written within this book. We got to live the gospel. When you speak it, they start watching how you live. Do you live what you speak? Live it, speak it. Speak it, live it. Live it, speak it. Speak it, live it. Gatekeepers. The church of Jesus Christ is to live by the principles of this book. This book, I read other books. I read business books. I read different kinds of books. I read books from Christian authors. But my number one read is this book. I go through seasons, I don't read nothing but this book. I was at a pastor's conference. It's a big deal these days in pastor's conferences. You get a bunch of pastors up there and they get interviewed. And the person that's overseeing this interview begins to ask them, what are you reading? And they start naming off all these books they're reading. And they get down to this one pastor down at the other end. And they ask him, what have you been reading? He said, the Bible. We were present when he did it. And he said, no, no, no. What books have you been reading? The Bible. He asked him four times. And he said, the Bible. And the guy leading it was like, I don't know what else to say. I wanted to say, you need just to say, convicted. We can get to listening to so many other voices that we forget the voice of truth. 
Can somebody say amen to that? Nothing wrong with reading books, okay? Don't say, Pastor Corey said, I can't read another book for the rest of my life. No, I didn't say that. But what is your number one read? Is this what consumes your time? Is it the Bible? If I'm going to defend it and speak it, I got to know it. I got to know it. And not just on Sunday or Wednesday. I got to know it Monday through Sunday. Philippians 127 says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'll let that speak for itself. Philippians 120. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed. I hope that we get beyond being ashamed of the gospel that saved me. How can we be ashamed of a gospel that brought me out of darkness? I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Man. Can we make that a goal? That I trust my life to Christ. All I care about is it brings honor to him. Gatekeepers must preach and teach the gospel. I've already defined preaching as sharing the gospel of peace. Now, you might get super excited. You might jump around. And there's no telling what you might do. Or you might just be very quiet and and very calm as you present the gospel, you're still preaching the gospel. Most of the time, I'm teaching. When Rochelle gets in the pulpit, she's preaching loudly sometimes. But the bottom line becomes, she's just presenting the gospel of truth. We're all called to preach and to preach this truth. Does that make sense? Got that? Don't say, well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. (laughs) You're to go share the gospel of peace. And you're to defend it. Mark 16, 15 says, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Jesus right here declares the church's mission. What is it? The church's mission to preach the gospel. We are to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. My last pen truth tonight is this. We have an obligation to defend and speak the truth. And the church cannot neglect this sacred duty. We can't neglect it anymore. We can't neglect it anymore. I personally disciple a lot of men one-on-one. And they will all tell you, pastor is pretty focused about helping me get to the point where I can preach the gospel and defend it and not be ashamed. What's the Bible tell us to do? Make disciples. To make disciples. For what purpose? Because there's a lot of people being destroyed by the world that needs that gospel. And if we're silent... 
then we are not building the spiritual walls of this nation. My final statement tonight, I have penned it shorter than last two weeks ago. But I penned it because I want to be clear. We have been called by God to defend his truth. So we must unite and lift the name of our Lord Jesus Christ higher and defend and speak the truth and rebuild this nation's spiritual walls. It's our responsibility. I have politicians in my church. I said this two weeks ago. They totally agree with the statement I'm about to say. The church has got to quit trying to look for the spiritual walls of the nation to be rebuilt and fixed through a vote. Though voting the right person in office is extremely, extremely important. Okay? We're very active in that world. But it's the church's responsibility to rebuild the spiritual walls of the nation. And they understand that. And they be up here sitting on the front row going, they get it. Why? Because they know they need that power behind what they're trying to accomplish. Are you all with me? Needs a church that will stop being silent. Needs a church that will speak the truth. Needs a church that will defend the the truth. And needs a church that will quit being ashamed of the truth. And quit trying to find another gospel because it's to try to make it easier. Do I love the truth to the point that it hurts? Because it's in the change that you're going to find some of your greatest joy and victories of life is as you change and you look back and you celebrate what truth did in your life. And there's a world out there that's not experiencing that truth because we've been silent. And then when they see us, when somebody begins to attack the word and they know we're a Christian and we just sit there quietly, then they begin to wonder, is there any power in what they try, they are involved in? And why would I want that? Are you with me? How do you know that, Pastor? I, I, I speak and talk and see and around so many people, I know that to be true. It is time for the church to arise. This sermon series went right out to North Elevation Church where we pastor. And it has begun a stir. Because I believe that God is beginning a stirring in this nation. And there's a remnant of people who are going to arise and decide, I am not ashamed. I'm going to be counted. I'm going to defend the gospel. I'm going to speak the gospel. And I'm going to go do what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. And I'm going to let the empowerment of the Holy Spirit lead God and direct me to do things I thought I would never do. But I have the power in me to do it. And I believe that church is arising. Would you stand with me? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name tonight. And Lord, you took me in a really different place tonight than than what I thought would be the journey. God, you're speaking in a very, very, very deep way right now. This is a very personal moment, Father, I can tell. 
You're speaking to hearts. You're speaking to attitudes. You're speaking to decisions that have been made. And you're calling your church back to its purpose. And so, Father, tonight I stand in behalf of the church of Jesus Christ on this earth and repent for us being silent. For us not defending the gospel and for us not speaking the gospel when we should have. Father, for not being the gatekeepers of truth, this precious word where blood was shed, lives were imprisoned, and much more happened just to make sure this book was written. Father, I ask your forgiveness in behalf of the church tonight for us not recognizing and forgetting our purpose and our responsibility. And Father, I thank you for your forgiving power tonight in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to move in such a way that it will amaze everyone. Because you're going to cause your church to arise and proclaim your gospel in ways never been seen before in the history of time. And we're going to see your mercy extended once again and see the walls of this nation strengthened and rebuilt and fixed until there's a wave going across this nation that brings change for the glory of God. And we declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Great word, Pastor. Give him a round of applause, everybody. Great, great job. Amen. He, he talked a lot tonight about it, excuses, right? We're making excuses all the time to not do something. Well, what I want to do tonight is challenge you to make excuses to do stuff. Make excuses to read God's word every day. Men, make excuses to pray with your families. Read the Bible with your families and to your families. Make excuses to get to church. Make excuses to witness. Make excuses to get involved with the church. Instead of not doing something, make excuses to do it. And when you do that, your life will change because God will work in you and you will do things you never thought you could even do in God's kingdom. Last December, I prayed for the Lord to use me in ways he's never used me before that I didn't even think were possible. And so far, every month this year, God has answered that prayer in my life. I thought in January, okay, I did something I've never done for the Lord before. And I thought, okay, thanks, God. Well, then February and March and April came. And every month since then, it's been a, a remarkable year because God has used me in a way because I prayed that prayer. So I want to challenge you tonight, church, to do that. If you're at home, listen to me. Make excuses to do something for God tomorrow. Make excuses to read God's word. Make excuses to fast. My goodness, when's the last time we fasted? Think about that. Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. Like he said, right, we don't fast enough. They fasted all the time in the Old Testament. But when you fast. So I hope we're all convinced. I was convicted tonight. Conviction's a great thing, right? Without conviction, there's no salvation. So it's okay to be convicted. So let's just, as a church, do this and make excuses to witness for God. 
make excuses to get involved in this church. This church will change your life, I promise. This is a turning point in my life was coming to this church. I never thought in a billion years I would be up here doing anything for the Lord. But God has used me, and God can use each one of you. All God cares about is your character. You don't need talent. You don't need anything else. God can use you just as you are if you turn to him and repent. Amen? All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for tonight, Lord. Thank you for Pastor Corey and the magnificent word that he gave for for you, Lord. I pray that everyone gets home safely tonight and that they do something for you tomorrow. And we all together can make excuses for you, Lord. As the book of Daniel said, Lord, we have sinned as a nation. Lord, we take those responsibilities on. We have sinned, Lord. And we trust in you. We put all our hope and our faith in you alone, Lord Jesus. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.